Welcome to the Top Flight Podcast. Orion Esteban back post-match day six. Not a lot of super entertaining games, but there are a lot of routes. And of course, the uh, the result of the weekend, I think that shocked everyone. Manchester United dropping points at home once again, this time to Wolves. A one-all draw. Esteban, when was the last time you can remember a newly promoted team getting two 1-1 draws against last year's top two finishers. This team is special. Yeah, no, this Wolves team is fantastic. Uh, it's They've been one of the most impressive promoted teams I've ever seen in any of the five major European leagues. I mean, I love the way they play. I love their players. I love their grit and determination. I love that they feel like a big club with all these really talented Portuguese players and these really talented European players all over the pitch. I think it's very special. I am very curious to see what's the ceiling for this Wolves team. I mean, is this a potential top six, like coming into the top six, or are they just a Europa League team? Or because I'm pretty, it's it's pretty clear now that this team not only are they going to survive, they're going to thrive in the Premier League, and that's just something that I'm not used to when it comes to newly promoted uh, Championship teams. This is insane. This is insane. I can't like I, I literally I can't remember. A newly promoted team playing this well to start a season or even just playing this well in an entire campaign, can you? I don't think so. No, I can't at all. I mean, this Wolves team is is really special. I, I mean, that that I thought that 1-1 draw against Man City was impressive, but frankly, the United game was even more impressive. They should have won that game considering the amount of chances that they had. If it wasn't for David De Gea, again, Manchester United would have dropped even more points and would have just come away with a defeat. Um, this is part of the problem with United as well, but we really shouldn't. Uh, we really should talk about how Wolves has just been so impressive, and I, I I love the way they play. They brought the back three back into the Premier League into prominence, and they're actually using it in a way that's different from you know Antonio Conte or Mark Hughes or even Arsene Wenger back in a couple seasons ago. So it's it's really interesting to see. I mean, this is a very unique situation and a very unique team. Yeah, Wolves on nine points after six games. For me, this draw was more impressive than the City draw just because of the circumstances of Wolves' goal against Manchester City because it was a handball. This time, fair and square, Yamuntino, beautiful first ever goal for Wolves, and they get the point against Manchester United, who are on 10 points. So Man U is only one point ahead of Wolves in the table, which that's just unbelievable. Wolves in the top half. The, the season's already off to a crazy start. But the other big clubs, the only other one that uh, had a fumble this week was Chelsea. Perfect record, no more. They tie West Ham nil-nil at the London Stadium. Maurizio Sarri said himself that this is going to be maybe the toughest game all season for Chelsea. Uh, and it proved Chelsea struggled a little bit against West Ham. Well, not a little bit, a lot of it. They just couldn't score. West Ham held Hazard well. But West Ham, four points in two games. They're back out of the relegation zone. And then Chelsea... They set up the huge match, a huge week against Liverpool because they're playing them twice next week. But now Chelsea are behind two points. Yeah, I mean, that Chelsea performance, I had a feeling before the game. Uh, obviously, when we did our predictions, we both picked a 3-1 victory for Chelsea. But I, I was struggling with uh, that prediction because I just felt that West Ham, they'd finally figured out what they were going to do with their midfield. And their attacking three is actually one of the best in the Premier League. So I thought they were going to give Chelsea a little bit of problems. Um, I was scared away because Arnautovic was injured 
injured for the match. However, I mean, Mikel Antonio played excellently. He had a bunch of chances that he, if on, a, on another day, he probably would have buried them. I thought Yarmolenko was spectacular. He just, his missed header at the, in the 75th minute was just, it was so, so close to getting a, f- a pretty famous victory, probably the first real big victory for the Hammers at the new London Stadium. So I thought West Ham was really impressive. I thought Chelsea, you know, they they still dominated possession. They still had a lot of attacking. Even though they weren't able to score, they were still creating chances. Morata should have had a couple goals. But, you know, this is going to happen in a long season. And I think this is more less of Chelsea's overall quality because I still never thought that Chelsea was going to be a real title contender. I think they're going to get top four without, you know, question. But... It's, it's, I think this is more uh, an impressive performance from West Ham's part than a really bad performance for Chelsea. Do you agree? Yeah, I think so. West Ham was more impressive than Chelsea was bad. But I think it's going to be um, a storyline to look out for. What kind of results will we see from Chelsea days removed from Europa League? Only on two days of rest, remember, after their win against PAOK on Thursday in the Europa League. And they get a nil-nil draw against West Ham. So we'll see if there is a trend. Chelsea post-Europa League, can they sustain victories and stamina you know, to win games in the Premier League? And right now, not off to a good start, getting a nil-nil draw against West Ham. However, the other Europa League team, Arsenal, offense continues to score. Lacazette and Aubameyang each getting a goal in the win against Everton. Two in a, in a three-minute span around. And Arsenal has won four straight. And just like that, Arsenal's in the top six after losing their first two games. Yeah, you know, it was a pretty poor performance in the first half, as it's been for Arsenal this entire season. Uh, either mediocre or poor performances in the first half. They they're still they still have not gone into halftime with a lead, uh, which is an interesting stat considering that now they're back in the top six. However, you know. It's clear that this team is slowly starting to figure out what kind of style they're going to play, what kind of system they're doing, which players are going to work best. Um, Peter Cech had a great ga- uh, great game. I thought Lucas Torreira was pretty good. Uh, Socrates, unfortunately, went off with an injury, but his replacement, Rob Holding, was pretty good. And, of course, Aubameyang and uh, Lacazette were, I mean, you know, they weren't even that special during the game, but they can create these special moments that was really lacking for Arsenal last season. Um, and it's clear that this team should be built around both Aubameyang and Lacazette and then figure the rest out in the next couple transfer windows because that's one of the most potent attacks in Europe. I think Arsenal's defense is still a work in progress. That 2-0 scoreline does not reflect how good Everton was. It's just Everton wasn't very clinical and they were pretty sloppy in the final third. But I, I think Arsenal is definitely trending uh, upwards. They have... One of the best attacks. This is it, it, this is something they could probably score on any team in the Premier League in Europe, but it's just a question at the back. And I'm not sure if this is a real clean sheet that we can look at. Okay, this is when they're going to improve. But at least there are signs. I think Torreira is a real gem. I think with a couple more games under his belt, he's going to become one of the more dominant defensive midfielders in the Premier League. And I think his partnership with Granit Xhaka, which is not being talked about a lot. I actually think it's going to work out really well because Granit Xhaka finally can play in a position where he can free roam in the middle of the uh, middle of the pitch, and he can create from deep uh, without having to worry too much about his defensive defensive responsibilities. Because Torreira, his you know his positional awareness is one of the best I've seen from an Arsenal player in many years. I mean, he always knows where to be in order to intercept the ball or to stop a counterattack or to just put a little bit of pressure on the offensive te- on the offense. So I, I think I think this Arsenal team is trending upwards. However, it's it's still a work in progress. So Arsenal fans still need to be pretty patient for this season. Definitely. I would agree with that. Need to have the patience, but going from losing to Man City and Chelsea in the beginning of the season, you 
bang off four straight wins. You're you got Lacazette and Aubameyang scoring. I would feel pretty confident as an Arsenal fan that this team can finish um, maybe top five and maybe sneak into the top four, especially with Manchester United and Tottenham having some shaky performances every now and again. Obviously, Watford still in the top four after getting their draw against Fulham to start match day six. But amongst the other big clubs, everyone else getting wins, Tottenham, 2-1 over Brighton, Kane scoring a penalty, just like we saw in the World Cup a gazillion times. Eric Lamella got another goal. Eric Lamella has scored in his last four Premier League starts, which is very, very impressive. Brighton left it too late. Knockhart scored a really nice goal, but it came in the 93rd minute. And then Liverpool and Man City just completely uh, dominated their opposition. City winning 5-0 at Cardiff. Ilkay Gundogan with an incredible goal and an assist. Riyad Mahrez getting a brace, his first two Man City goals of his career. And then Liverpool remained perfect. 3-0 win over Southampton. Header from Joel Matif after an own goal. And then Salah gets his third of the season. But this is, I think, the question that I would ask you, Esteban. There are four teams in the top five that are perfect. You got Liverpool in the Premier League, Bayern in the Bundesliga after four games, PSG has won six out of six in League 1, and Juventus just got a 2-0 win over Frosas None, and they're perfect in Serie A. Out of those four, who's the best right now? Liverpool, and it's not even without question. Juventus has been decent in Serie A. Of course, they're they're beating the opposition in front of them. They haven't really had to face any of the top six sides in Italy. However, you know, you just got to beat the teams in front of you. I would say the same thing about Bayern. Bayern is just business as usual. Usual. The Bundesliga is pretty weak, anyways. I mean, Dortmund isn't really going to challenge this year, and they and Bayern beat Schalke, and Schalke is not very good either. Um, it's it's clear that Bayern Munich is is good, but just in terms of the most impressive performances. The team that I think is probably firing and firing on at least most of their cylinders and I think have been the most impressive, it's definitely Liverpool. I mean, PSG gives up a goal every first half, and then they have to come back and win. So it's not PSG, and of course Liverpool beat PSG in the Champions League. Bayern plays in the Bundesliga, and Juventus hasn't played anyone good either. So I still think, I think Liverpool has been the most impressive team to start the overall European calendar. I'm curious, though, because of Van Dijk's injury, and the fact that their style, it's really, you know, it's, it grinds on the player's legs and it could cause more injuries and maybe they can't sustain this kind of energy level. But, I mean, as a Liverpool fan, I would definitely be pretty excited. I think this is the best I've seen Liverpool play since 2014 when they came in second. Um, and I, and I, to be honest, I do feel that this Liverpool team is probably better than that 2014 team. So, I, I, you know, I think there's a lot of optimism for Liverpool, but I can see why... You know, people might be a little tempered with their expectations. I think next week, the game against Chelsea is going to really determine whether Liverpool is one of the best teams in Europe and if they can honestly, truly challenge for the Premier League title. Yeah, honestly, both games are important. Even the Carabao Cup game, mainly for the fact that can Liverpool's depth help them out in the long haul, basically? If, if Jurgen Klopp says on Wednesday, let's play some of our younger guys, let's play some of our bench players, start Sturridge, start Solanke, um, maybe give a, uh, some more game time to Shakiri and Fabinho, play Chelsea in the Carabao Cup, and they win, and then they beat Chelsea in the league on Saturday, then there's no doubt in my mind that Liverpool is set up to potentially not just win the Premier League, but win, a, win at least two trophies this season, whether it's a Carabao Cup, the FA Cup, or the Champions League, just because they have that added depth and they can rest some of their stars and still pick up victories in cup matches. So 
uh, the Liverpool v. Chelsea week. I think that's the best way to call it um, because we're seeing that matchup twice and it's going to be amazing. I cannot wait. I'm honestly more excited for the Carabao Cup matchup because I'm really curious to see how um, Sari and Klopp pick their teams and also if they pick reserves, how they perform. But the league match is going to be amazing. First against third. But overall... There wasn't a game that really stood out as super entertaining. I mean, the only game that had... There are only two games in the league where both teams scored and it wasn't a draw. Leicester's win over Huddersfield 3-1 and then the Tottenham win. A lot of clean sheets, 2 nil nils, 2-1-1s. That's why, for me, the best match has got to be the Leicester-Huddersfield game just because there was a bit of a back and forth. And Kalechi Iheanacho, he was awesome. On Saturday, I mean, that counterattack goal was spectacular. I, I think, you know, it's clear that Leicester City is one of the better attacking. You know, since 2016, they've been one of the best counterattacking teams in England. And it's nice to see them do these kind of counterattacks again, especially with Vardy and Iheanacho up there. Um, I think my favorite part, I kind of agree with you. It wasn't a great weekend in terms of just the quality of the matches. Uh, but I do, there were a lot of really good performers. And in that Leicester City game, I honestly think James Madison is slowly becoming one of the most exciting young midfielders in England and maybe even in Europe. He's really, really good. Um, I love his technical ability on the ball. He's deadly on set pieces. He's very tight. I just love watching him play. He kind of glides in and out of the midfield, um, getting into the final third, building up the play. I just, I think he's a a spectacular player and I think he should be getting an England call up pretty soon. He's very young. I think he's only 21 years old. It's funny that he was playing last season in the championship because he, it's he, you know, he must have been dominating in the championship because he is really good and he's a genuine Premier League player. Player, so I'm very, you know, I'm very excited to see what James Madison can do, and I wouldn't be shocked if maybe one of these top six clubs comes calling in the summer to try to pick him up because uh, he's a he's a real talent. Another game that I wanted to kind of highlight a little bit of that I thought was uh, somewhat fun. Um, was the Fulham-Watford game. That was the first game of the weekend. Um, it was a tale of two halves. Watford was the incredible in the first half. They scored in the first five minutes. Um, they were just dominating Fulham, dominating. The, you know, they were just doing everything they could to win by three goals or more, but they only got the one. And then Fulham came back in the second half with a vengeance, and they started to play in the kind of possession style that we were expecting from Fulham in the beginning of the season. Alexander Mitrovic has been one of the most surprising performers of the Premier League this year. Uh, he scored a great goal, and he probably should have had two more. One of his chances near the 89th minute hit the crossbar, and he was not, you know, and it ended in a 1-1 draw. But it was definitely one of the more entertaining 1-1 draws. As I've seen this season. Fulham has definitely been one of the more uh, up and down teams in the league. They either are really good and look like they're going to win or they're just not there at all. Five points on the year for Fulham. They're only three points ahead of the relegation teams, which are Cardiff, Huddersfield, and Newcastle. All three teams have two points right now. Huddersfield is in last because they've only scored three goals this season. Um, but Fulham is definitely probably the most uh, – they, they, they teeter a lot. They're either amazing or they're either really bad. To, I think against Watford, it was probably the most neutral performance we've seen from them just because they did tie and also they had chances to win and they didn't play well in the first half. So that, that game was probably a, a microcosm of Fulham's sort of entire beginning to the season. It would be interesting to see where we finally see them level off. Do they level off playing really poorly or do they level off playing really well? Because right now, Wolves 
are showing that they are far and away the best newly promoted side in the Premier League right now. Four points ahead of Fulham and seven points ahead of Cardiff. And then meanwhile, the other results from the weekend, Crystal Palace and Newcastle, nil-nil. Mike Ashley showed up to the match. That was a big storyline, but Crystal Palace really should have won the game. Lots of, lots of chances for the Eagles to win that one, but they didn't. And Newcastle's only two points this season are two nil-nil draws on the road. And then the probably the most surprising result, Burnley in last place beating Bournemouth 4-0. I mean, that was crazy. What? What? I mean, it's crazy. Well, you know, I did pick Burnley to win. I thought Burnley was going to beat Bournemouth, finally get their season on track. But it's clear that they just... They had so much pent-up energy and anger from the way their season has started, and they just decided we're going to beat this Bournemouth team, and they did. I mean, it was 2-0 by the, you know, it was still 2-0 in the 80th minute, but those two final goals were just such FU goals. I mean, it, they didn't need to happen, but Bur- Burnley was like, we're going to get these goals, we're going to dominate you, we're going to finish this off, and that's the end of that. Uh, Bournemouth... They're still good. They're, I don't think there's anything to worry about. Maybe we have to temper whether this Bournemouth team could actually maybe finish in the top 10 or not. Um, but what I want to ask you is, do you think this is the platform where Burnley can get out of the relegation zone and get comfortably mid-table? Or is this just like a false dawn? Um, I'm, I'm leaning more towards false just because Burnley has played so many games and we've seen how bad they can be, especially their attack. But fluke games like this happen. I mean, Burnley, every year they've been in the league, they beat at least one giant team once. I think I still remember their first year in the Premier League. I think they beat United in their second game. And that was when the Premier League was on ESPN. They, they showed a game on ESPN in the States. And because Burnley beat Man U, ESPN would just show the Burnley games every weekend. And then Burnley just got really terrible. And I'm like, stop showing Burnley. And then they beat City when they were back in the league at some point. So they're bound to win a big game. Whether it's this is their one, I don't know. I mean, Bournemouth is not bad. They do have 10 points, and they are sitting in seventh right now, tied with United on points. So right now I'm leaning more towards false, but I don't see Burnley being relegated. I think they have too much talent in defense, um, and they have better attackers than the likes of Cardiff and Huddersfield at least. I don't know what's going on with Newcastle. They're they're for me, they're the most surprising team right now where their current place in the standings I did not foresee at this point in the season. For me, that's the most surprising. And then Watford probably second. Who would you be your two? The team you're shocked that's in the top ten and the team you're shocked is in the bottom. Uh, my team that I'm shocked that they're in the top 10 is still Watford. I picked them to come in, you know, they, I thought they were going to get relegated this season, and it's shocking to me that they're still in fourth place. They still haven't really dropped that many points. Uh, they have four wins, one draw, one loss, 13 points. They're ahead of both Tottenham and Arsenal for that fourth spot. Um, also, Watford is going to play Arsenal next weekend, so that's going to be an interesting game. Um, I would say those are my. that's my most shocking team in the top 10, My and my most shocking team in the relegation zone is honestly Newcastle. Um, Newcastle, I thought, was at least going to be comfortably mid-table. They made some interesting signings. I thought Rondon was going to help them a lot. Um, I thought John Joe Shelby was going to have a good season, but he's just been injured, and it's been tough to get him into the starting 11. Um, Newcastle's defense has been good, but they've had such a tough schedule, and they've gotten some very unlucky breaks. Kennedy has taken just a total nosedive uh, since from last season. I, I don't know. This Newcastle team, they, they really got to start improving or they're going to be in a real relegation fight because, I mean, West Ham, I think they're going to improve, who's just above them, won four points. Burnley, 
they might improve, but they also might not. Fulham is probably going to improve. They have just too much talent to get relegated. Uh, Southampton, I would say probably the same thing. Brighton's had a good start, and when you have a good start, that can kind of lead you on. And they have a very good defense, and they played reasonably well against Tottenham. So I, I think Brighton's also going to survive. So I'm not sure. Newcastle's got to be really worried. I, I, I think... You know, before the season, we were all wondering, uh, okay, we know that Cardiff and Huddersfield are going to get relegated, but who's going to be that third team? There's so much talent uh, throughout the mid-table that it could be Bournemouth or Watford or Burnley and all these kind of stuff, but not a lot of people were picking Newcastle because of Rafa Benitez, but I don't know if Rafa can save this team. I mean, it's, it's, it's really poor results. Yeah, really poor. I would be worried if I was a Newcastle fan, but we'll see if any of these teams can improve in match day seven next weekend, which is obviously highlighted by the massive Chelsea Liverpool game, which will be the final game on next Saturday and also a potential relegation battle, uh, Cardiff against Burnley Sunday night game. That should be really interesting too. But before uh, we're going to preview match day seven later in the week, but before we get to Carabao cup action, because we are going to see Carabao cup this week, um, best of the weekend. So best match for me, there really is no best match, but if I had to pick one, I would say Lester and Huddersfield just because there was a bit of a back and forth and things were happening in the game that were like, okay, there's some goals. Both teams are playing. All right. It's not a five, nothing win. It's not a nil, nil draw. That for me is my best match, but I wouldn't even call it a best match. I'd say it's a mediocre match of the week. I would say my best match was the Wolves-Man United game. Uh, maybe not in terms of just pure entertainment was it exciting. It was just really exciting to see uh, this newly promoted team fight Manchester United to the bitter end. And frankly, they should have won the match. And it's always fun to watch Wolves. They're not a boring team to watch. There's always drama. They're so fluid in attack and defense that it, it kind of seems like you're just watching this wave of players moving up and down the pitch like in a really like interesting pace. And I, I just love watching them play. And I thought it was a fun match, a fun 1-1 draw. So I'll go with Wolves versus Man United for my best match. Yeah, that's my best moment. I think Wolves tying Man United, that's just got to feel so good for them. It feels like, I mean, since Alex Ferguson has retired, every single Old Trafford home record against every other team in England has fallen. Because I feel like every single time Man U has played in Old Trafford in the last four years, they say in the broadcast, if they're tied or losing, this will be the first time Man United lose to Newcastle at Old Trafford since 1950. This is the first time Man U has tied Wolves at Old Trafford since 1885. I mean, like, all this stuff, all these home records are crumbling down for Manchester United since Sir Alex has retired. And he was in the stands today. It was so nice to see him in the stands. First time after his brain surgery. Uh, the entire footballing world rooting for him, of course. But uh, a, a Sad performance to see from his former team that he managed to such glorious nights to tie Wolves like that. And Wolves fans have got to be feeling incredible after that result, especially after they tied Man City on match day three. And they're looking great. So that's my moment. Best goal, Moutinho's goal, Madison's free kick, and Gundawan's shot are probably my top three. I will go with Gundawan's shot for the best goal in the Premier League, but the best goal in European football. I don't know if you saw this one. The McGinn goal, the Aston Villa goal. Yes, I did that see was, that. That was incredible. That was insane. That was insane. I mean, it was like it was even it was better than anything Beckham had ever done in his entire career. It was so incredible of a sh like it, it should not have been in the championship. It was just so. It, I mean, frankly, that was a Champions League like final kind of goal. It was like Zidane's goal, but I mean, it was. I can't even talk about that goal because it was so incredible. I've seen that replay like five thousand times. It's just I can't get enough of it. Yeah, that was nuts, McGinn. 
We're hoping Villa maybe gets promoted back into the league. It's been uh, this is the second year without Aston Villa in the Premier League since its enshrinement in 1992, or since its inception, I should say. Um, so yeah, best goal in the Premier League. I'll go with Gundogan, but McGinn takes the cake there in the Championship. Uh, best player, I think, is tough. I know who I'm picking for best player. I'm picking. I'm picking James Madison. I thought he was awesome in that game. He was instrumental for Leicester City to come back and win that match. Um, I think he's really one of the most more more exciting players in the Premier League, as I mentioned. And I, I think he was clearly just like, I'm going to control this game. I'm going to win this game for Leicester City. And I thought he did so. So I'm, I'm going with James Madison. Um, I'm actually, yeah, who are you going with? I'm actually going to pick another Leicester player. I'm going to pick Kalechi Iheanacho. Nice to see him score and get an assist. We, I think Iheanacho... When he signed from Man City to Leicester, I think Leicester fans expected him to be, oh, this guy can be a really consistent striker for us, you know, assuming Jamie Vardy might get transferred if a bigger team wanted to sign him, but Jamie Vardy is still a fox. Uh, Iheanacho, I think this is one of his best performances as a Leicester City player. I'm going to go with Iheanacho. I'm going to give him some love. I think that's nice. My best moment was Fergie, Fergie coming back. I thought that was really nice to see him. He's a legend of the game. And while I'm not a Manchester United fan, I deeply respect the man for what he's accomplished and what you know how he was able to build that club into what it is today. And I think it was nice to see that he at least recovered enough to come watch some football. He did not get a good result, and he didn't really see uh, the kind of football that he would uh, want from his players. But it's still nice to see that he's healthy and that he can, you know, enjoy uh, the game that he gave so much to. My best goal, though, is the Lacazette goal. Um, it was an Henri-esque type goal, just cutting in, curling it, hitting it off the post and getting into the back of the net. I thought it was beautiful. It came out of nowhere. It changed the entire complexion of that game. And I think that Alexandre Lacazette is having an excellent season. And um, I'm just really, really excited for his potential. And I thought that goal was representative of the kind of season he's been having. So I, I'm going Laka. Yeah, Laka and Oba, they, they're going to be really good for Arsenal. But you mentioned Alex for Sir Alex. I just have to put this out there as sort of, you know, a sort of a debate type thing to say. No doubt in my mind, Sir Alex Ferguson is the greatest sporting coach ever. European, American, no doubt in my mind. You think of John Wooden, you know, Nick Saban, Bill Belichick, Red Auerbach, Phil Jackson. No way. It's Sir Alex Ferguson. He won over what? 30 trophies at Manchester United, something insane like that. Yeah, something like that. 30 trophies in 20 years. He won the Premier League almost every other season. Uh, he, you know, he developed some of the best players to ever play the game, like Ronaldo, Rooney, etc. Paul Scholes, Ryan Giggs, David Beckham. I mean, it, you know, Rio Ferdinand, etc. I mean, it's. He, he, I, I almost agree with you. I'd have to do more research before I want to make something as definitive. But I do I do think that he's definitely, without a question, and this is coming from an Arsenal fan who loved Wenger, he was, he's definitely the greatest manager the Premier League has ever seen and maybe will ever see. He's just so incredible. I would love that he, if he... I wish he could still be coaching this Manchester United team instead of Mourinho. Um, I think Mourinho is not the right coach for this, this kind of club and for what kind of legacy Fergie left... Hopefully in the future when Mourinho is sacked, they can get an attacking thought, you know, a manager with the kind of attacking mentality that Fergie used to have uh, whenever, you know, they had the 4-4-2 in the stands would just yell out attack, attack, attack. And I miss that in Manchester United. And I'm not even yeah. a United fan. And Mourinho, man, I mean, he's just like, I don't like my team. I just His attitude just stinks. And Sir Alex does, doesn't need 
he didn't need 50 to 60 million pound players around the pitch to win Champions Leagues or Premier League titles. He was winning Premier League titles with Wes Brown and John O'Shea and Michael Carrick and Park Ji Sung in the starting lineups and Wayne Rooney and Robert Van Persie. Man used the team that Man U has, you know, talent wise is better than a lot of the teams that Sir Alex won Premier League titles with at Manchester United. Pogba, Lukaku, and Sanchez, these guys are world-class talent. Man, you didn't need to have that many world-class players to win Premier League titles with Sir Alex. Like, for me, it's John Wooden revolutionized coaching philosophy. Sir Alex kind of perfected it and perfected how to be a player's coach because it's still to this day so many players who played under Sir Alex Ferguson still see him as a father figure as the best manager they've ever had. And the biggest example of this is Cristiano Ronaldo. Cristiano Ronaldo sees Sir Alex as a father figure to him. He sees him as the best manager that he will ever have. That, for me, is one of the the clinching moments that make me think Sir Alex Ferguson is the best coach of all time. So a little tangent there that we went on. But uh, final couple things we'll say before we head out. So how did you do results-wise, Esteban, this weekend? So in our head-to-head matchup, uh, I won... I think for the first time since we started keeping track of our score lines, I won one, two, three, four. I won five games, and uh, we drew two games, and then I think you lost. You lost five games, um, something like that. But I did win, and I hit some perfect results. I picked the Manchester United Wolves sco- uh, score line perfectly. I picked the Leicester City Huddersfield score line perfectly. And uh, I think, the, and I also picked Burnley to win, but I didn't pick the perfect score line. But uh, it was good. I mean, I, I guess it's in, in the more boring weekends that I'm going to win the matchups. But uh, when we get to next week's predictions, with that, that's going to be next week's slate is going to be a lot more difficult to uh, predict. That's for sure. Definitely with uh, Man U West Ham, Arsenal Watford, uh, Newcastle Leicester, Chelsea Liverpool, Cardiff Burnley, even Bournemouth Palace. Lots of interesting games there. Yeah, I only got one scoreline right. I got six of the ten results correct, but there's some ones that I missed that were pretty bad. I said that Leicester and Huddersfield would tie. That was my Satwa of the weekend. Unfortunately, we had two Satwa games. Uh, If you don't know, that's the sleeper the snooze of the week or whatever word you want to use that means boring with an S beginning with it. There's a few. Pick the Man U result wrong. I picked the Burnley result wrong. And I picked the Chelsea result wrong. So not the best weekend for me coming off of match day uh, five where I got three perfect scores. But let's move on to uh, end of the podcast with a little Carabao Cup. Who doesn't love the Carabao Cup? Third round action Tuesday and Wednesday, 16 matches. It's actually not going to be 16. It's going to be 15 because Everton and Southampton are going to play their third round match at Goodison Park on October the 2nd. So there's a... There's going to be 15 matches on through Tuesday and Wednesday. Looking at these matchups, Esteban, there's a couple of all-Premier League ones. You got Wolves hosting Leicester. Leicester beat Wolves in the league. Watford and Tottenham rematching again, this time at Wembley. Watford beat them in the league, of course. Um, Crystal Palace-West Brom, a former Premier League matchup. Of course, Liverpool-Chelsea obviously takes all the headlines. But any potential upsets you see... Yeah, I could point to a few that I think we could see a, some like big upsets. Um, I, Manchester United is playing Derby County at Old Trafford. 
Uh, Mourinho is definitely going to rotate, and Derby County's had a pretty good start to their season. Uh, Frank Lampard is the head coach or the manager at Derby, and uh, Derby is currently, I believe, in sixth place in that final playoff spot in the championship, so they've had a pretty good start to their season. Um, I watched a few of their games on ESPN, and I think they're actually not that bad. Mason Mount uh, is, is a pretty decent player, and I think they're going to try to, you know, at least give to, you know, attack against Manchester United. And, you know, who knows? With a lot of rotation, United could get an early upset. Another game that I think might see an early upset is uh, Millwall versus Fulham. It's in Millwall. Millwall is one of the strangest English teams uh, around. They have the craziest fans. Uh, Millwall is going to be pretty tough to break down for Fulham, and Fulham might not really care about the Carabao Cup because they're pretty close to being in, near the relegation zone. So I wouldn't be shocked if Millwall gets maybe a 2-1 win and they can continue on in the Carabao Cup, which they care more about. Um, Arsenal versus Brentford, I'm not going to say is a, uh, a, what do you call it, a upset. I don't think Brentford is going to beat Arsenal, but I do think that you might see a higher scoreline than usual. I wouldn't expect Arsenal to dominate that game as easily as most people would expect, but should be an easy Arsenal win. And I think, you know, if I had to pick one other weird kind of result, West Brom versus Crystal Palace could be interesting. West Brom has had a Pretty good start into their life in the championship as well. Uh, I think they're in third place. Uh, so they have 17 points. They're almost to getting. They're almost catching Boro and Leeds, who are in first place in the Carabao Cup um, in the English League Championship. Um, so you might see West Brom beating Crystal Palace, especially since Palace is probably not going to start Zaha, and they're not going to care about this match, so they'll probably lose. But yeah, those are probably my picks for interesting games or weird upset kind of games. Yeah, I'm excited to see the uh, Millwall-Fulham match at the Den, a London derby. Millwall is a London club, uh, if you are not aware. Arch rivals with West Ham. West Ham will be hosting uh, Macclesfield Town, who I think are the uh, lowest division team remaining in the Carabao Cup. So, yeah, I think Millwall can beat Fulham. I'm sorry, I think Brentford over Arsenal is a possibility. Brentford, that's also a London derby. Brentford is a London club too, so got a couple London derbies in there. So I think Brentford, they've played really well in the championship to start. They've been okay, uh, slowly approaching a team that could be promoted into the Premier League maybe in the uh, decade of the 2020s. It's at Emirates, so Arsenal will probably win, but I think Brentford will have a good game. Oxford United against Man City, maybe? No, no, I'm not crazy. No, Oxford United's going to get destroyed. Man City's going to win like 6 nothing if they're trying. <laughs> Yeah, Man City, you know, they might be trying, but they're probably going to do a lot of rotations, and they definitely punted on the competitions last season or the cup competitions last season. So, I mean, it, here's the thing about Man City. They have not had the greatest start to their season. Of course, the Champions League, they were not very – they didn't play very well against Lyon. They dropped some points against Wolves. While they have dominated teams like Arsenal and Cardiff and et cetera, I don't know if this is the same kind of Manchester City team that we saw last season. And I think maybe Manchester City is just not as good as we think. What do you think about that? Um, No, I think they're still as good as we think. They just had an unlucky draw against Wolves off of a handball goal. Yes, they lost to Lyon. I think the problems are potentially in the defense, and also they've had un they've been unlucky with injuries. Benjamin Mendy is injured again. He didn't play the past uh, two games. They say he's out until probably September 30th, when means he'll probably play next week. But I still think City is as good as people say. And remember, City is the reigning champion in this competition. So City do have something to lose if they don't win the Carabao Cup. I mean, sure, it doesn't really matter in the long haul, but if they lost to a championship side or they lost to even a lower level premier league side even if they ran into liverpool in the uh 
in the round of 16 in the Carabao Cup and they lost doesn't look good for them so as much as the Carabao Cup is considered like a joke competition to a lot of people as the FA Cup is more serious you can you can mess up in a game and have it be embarrassing like look at Newcastle two points in the Premier League and they lost to Nottingham Forest who beat Arsenal last year in the FA Cup and there's Premier League teams who are already out of this competition. Not every Premier League team is remaining in the Carabao Cup. I'm just looking through my fixture list right now to see if I spot any teams that didn't make it because it's hard to remember all the teams. Uh, Cardiff is not in. Cardiff got knocked out, I believe, by Norwich City. Don't quote me on that, but just trying to use my memory here. Huddersfield is also out. Uh, Newcastle is out, of course, losing to Nottingham Forest. Um, and then... Pff, pretty much everybody else is in. So just a few Premier League teams already out. And notice the trend. All three Premier League teams that are out of the Carabao Cup are in the relegation zone. That is true. I mean, it's always important to try to... I, I know that most clubs don't really care about the, the Cups until they get to the semifinals or the final, but it's important not to lose these early. I mean, yeah, you could, I guess, focus more resources on the season at large, but it's good to have that kind of momentum uh, in the Cup competitions. We've seen from previous teams like Southampton in previous years where they use their Cup uh, successes where they make it to the final as a platform for them to compete during the weekend and to kind of lift the energy of their, their crowds and their fans. So hopefully we can see more teams uh, this year trying to take the Carabao Cup a little more seriously and uh, maybe, but it's always fun to see the upsets too. So we'll, we'll see what happens. It should be a fun, it's always fun. Every year it's, it's weird, it's, it's strange, it's always in the middle of the week and you, you want Champions League, but you get these like weird English teams playing each other. But I think it'll still be a fun time. I'm excited. Yeah, not just that. We are going to get league games too. I think Bundesliga, Serie A, La Liga, and Ligue 1 are playing midweek games. I think to catch up from the uh, international break, whereas the Premier League is not doing the catch-up because of the Carabao Cup, because, you know, all these Premier League teams are starting life in the Carabao Cup. The seven teams that play played in Europe, including Burnley, who had to try and qualify for the Europa League, this is their first Carabao Cup matches. And then the 13 Premier League teams that were not in European competition, they got drawn into the second round. So that's why we saw those super early Carabao Cup games with Premier League teams. But it's going to be a busy week of football, lots of league games around Europe. We've got the Carabao Cup, and then Premier League is going to be back. And it's the last week of September, but it's worthwhile saying this is the week of Liverpool v. Chelsea. They host Liverpool at Anfield against Chelsea on Wednesday in the Carabao Cup. And then at the bridge, Third place Chelsea against a perfect first place Liverpool on Saturday in the first title title esque match of the season in match day seven. So for Esteban Bailey, I am Ori Benatar. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Top Flight Podcast. Check out some other episodes on Spreaker.com as well as subscribe to us on iTunes. Follow us on Twitter at the Top Flight FS and check out our website, thetopflight.com. Also go to Fansided Swag Shop if you want some Top Flight merch, sweatshirts, shirts, mugs, posters, whatever you want. Some cool stuff indeed. So we'll see you next time.